the week leading up to the dentist appointment is like I brush my teeth nine million times. Yeah. I floss, and they're uh-huh. like, "Have you been flossing?" I'm like, "Yes." Yeah. I have. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a perfect uh, example. Yeah, yeah. I had but, a dentist yeah. like the same thing, and he was like, I told him that. He's like, don't lie to me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Welcome to Shankcast episode number 14. Today we're going to be discussing how to get the most from your tennis lessons. If you play tennis and you take lessons, this show is going to be huge because between the three of us, if I, if I remember correctly, we have. Over 75 years of on-court experience. And we've seen the whole range of like one end of the spectrum of quality of student to the other end of the spectrum of quality of student. Not to sound too judgy, but, but but let's be honest. I mean, different people take tennis lessons more seriously than other people. And that's part of it. That's like one variable. I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But we're going to talk about uh, what the biggest things are in our experience that we've seen that cause tennis players not to come away with very much value from our coaching and uh, co- contrast that with what things do we feel give our students the best chance of actually reaching their goals instead of just taking that weekly lesson and punching the time card and And just another thing on the schedule. And I think we need to be clear. It's not just like one-on-one lessons. This is like drills included because, you know, Hmm. they're the same. Yeah, I was thinking privates, but I was thinking more privates. I think we should talk about the, yeah, the other side too because there are a lot of people who don't take private lessons that just go to their drill group every week. And I think that's... I think the tough part about the private one is it depends a little bit on the coach because you have so many, like I think it works if you have the same quality of people and we can maybe talk about that in that drill. Because if not, then you have like, you have Debbie in the corner. It's like, Debbie Fitness. It's like, oh yeah, let's like run. Okay, Debbie Fitness. Like, hey, I got my like, my Fitbit on and yeah. I'm not getting enough steps. steps. And then you have like, you might be in there and like, hey, Debbie Fitness, calm down. I don't know how to yeah. like, my back execute this. To get fixed and right Debbie now. Fitness is like, dude, you're talking too much. I'm not getting steps in. Debbie Fitness needs her steps. Not and so, that being Debbie Fitness is a bad thing. No, if no, that's no, no. Your goal. But that's the whole point. It's like, when you have in a drill group, you have people with different goals. And if Debbie Fitness is in there, Debbie Fitness needs to get her steps in. And she, you know, might do some warm ups before. And then she kind of gets ticked because she's like, you're taking too much time trying to understand the game. And that's, we're not so, about that. How so. about for simplicity? Let's start with privates. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> that's a good start. Because, yeah, bringing together all the different personalities and like goals and aspirations, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a complicated thing. I feel like that's another episode, though. Oh, 100%. Oh, we should call big, that one Debbie no, Fitness. No, it's a big topic for sure. Yeah, so let, let's, for the sake of today, let's focus okay. on private lessons. And if we have time, that should be like our, jo- our inside yeah. joke. If we have time. Which we never have time. Then just FYI. We'll add that, I'll okay. add that on to the end of this uh, outline here. Okay. Um, if we don't get to it, then we'll just have it be a, a separate chain cast. Bueno. Okay, so first question, kicking today off, talking about privates, what are the biggest things that keep tennis students from success? So in your, in our experience as coaches, what are the kind of telltale signs that, you know, this person can come to lesson with me all they want, but they're just not, they're not going to get out of it. Maybe what they're, they're hoping to get out of it. You want me to start? Yeah. Okay. So I think, um, one of the biggest things when I was coaching that I would see would be where we sat down, we talked about goals and said, okay. And they're like, 
we're aligned. This is where they want to go. And I say, okay, these are the steps that you have to get there. And then they go, okay, I'm going to do half those steps and see if I can still get there. And people actually and literally tell you? A hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> and I used to always, and then I'd be like, all right, here we go. And then they wouldn't get there. And then they would be angry because they didn't reach their goals. And I would say, but you didn't do all the steps that we talked about. And they would say, yeah, but I still expected to get to my goals. And I used to always be like, and inevitably, it was always like people who are very, very high up in companies, CEOs, owners, entrepreneurs, that kind of thing. And I would always be like, are you, if you hire someone to come in and tell you what you need to do with your business, and they say you need to do specific things, and then you do half of them and expect for the same result, and they'd be like, well, I wouldn't do that. And I'm like, well, that's kind of what you're doing here in the tennis I feel world. Like you've had this conversation a few times, a million times, <laughs> yes. And so that was, I think, that's the number one thing I saw of all the adults that I taught tennis to. Mm. That was the big underlying thing. It was always like, okay. I hear you, yes, but now I'm going to try to do half of what you said and still try to get to the same goals. And I haven't, just for clarity, haven't had anyone actually get to those goals doing half the amount of work either. Really? Ever? No. no. Wow. Dun-dun-dun. Challenges out there, yeah, guys. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think Everybody's that was like, hmm, part of it, too, like you. in their mind, was yeah, like, yeah. I'm going, I, I I'm better your... than everyone else, so I can do... Um, yeah. like half the work. But tennis is just one of those things where, especially when you've taught it for a long time and you, okay, these are my goals. I will tell you exactly the steps that you need to take to get to those goals. And if you don't go through the steps, you don't reach the goal. I mean, it's just, I don't know how else to describe that part. I would say, yeah. Yeah, let's go around. and We could probably go around a couple of times, but yeah. let's do one, uh, one thing at a time. I would say, if we're already going to go ahead and kind of say what Megan's saying, I would say um, uh, investment fear in the sense that they are like, okay, I have to do all that. Well, what if I do all that and I still don't reach my goal? So there's just kind of like, uh, let's kind of do half of that and kind of what May is saying. Let's do half of that and see where I am and not this full commitment of like, okay, this is what I got to do. I got to stick this thing out and learning how to kind of manage the dip, which everybody goes through in a sense of like you're trying to, you're trying to learn something new and it's, it feels super awesome and sexy. I'm learning like a new forehand. Yeah, let's get this new forehand on. And like three weeks later, like, whoa, this new forehand's not kind of like turning in the, it's not heavy. Well, like, why is my forehand not heavy in three weeks? I, I, I want that heavy forehand in three weeks. Um, and so the expectation of like, kind of, I think what Megan's kind of talking to, they want the, the shortcut. I mean, and granted, everybody wants the shortcut. Everybody wants to like, yep. kind of like, how can I do half, of my, half as much and get the full thing? And it's just when you have, I think, like our perspective, it's like you just gotta, you gotta love the process and realize that the process will get you there. And I think that's really hard if someone's never had the experience of like doing something and knowing that like, okay, having it fail because they tried the shortcut method and then like them resetting and going, okay, I'm just gonna do it regardless of what happens. And then they hit the, the result and like, oh, I think that's really hard for a lot of people. Can you define the dip? Real the quick. dip is, is it Godin or Gladwell. I can never remember. Uh, it's Godin. 
um, the dip is where he talks about kind of like everybody has this initial sexiness with every new thing. It's like, oh yeah, this is awesome. The sexiness. The sexiness. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> this feels really good. And then they hit this this moment where you get deep Sounds into like it. like a Mark Wahlberg. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 100%. I literally, <laughs> yeah. The sexiness. The sexiness. You, you hit this kind of period of time after you get through the initial phase where the motivation's because of the, the newness. And you hit this thing where it's like, you have to start doing a lot of repetition or something where it just gets where really monotonous and you have to commit to doing stuff and that gets boring. It's like, what's the, there's no, the sexiness is gone. It's like, where's the passion baby? And so I think, um, that's the hardest part where like, I think that separates in a lot of cases and we hear it so much everywhere. It's like what separates the best people and whatever. It's like the the willingness to do what you don't want to do over and over again, or the willingness to do what other people won't do. And I think that's basically the dip is the willingness to go, Hey, this isn't sex anymore. And I'm just going to keep doing it and develop real, um, skills, real develop, real understanding and muscle memory. Yeah. Just as a side note, I mean, that's where tennis like is in line with every other part of your life, you know, in the sense of like nutrition and exercise and work. And I mean, there's so many things that after the newness wears off, (sighs) then you quit because you're like, well, I didn't see those results in that 30 days that I was looking for instead. Or you see results and you're like, I totally got this. I'm done. And then, yeah. And then it goes back to where you were. And so tennis is the same thing there. I feel like. The a couple of the things come to mind for me right away, but the I would say historically one of the main ones, and I'm kind of going back to my country club days and putting myself back in that position because for the last six, seven, eight years, I've been unbelievably lucky to have students who, for the most part, are ready to buy in, and even all of our students. Yeah, they're 100. They don't do already. the steps. Yeah, yeah, or they don't make it past the dip. So those but are, there are, and they are bought in. And so there's yeah. that, yeah, exactly. They were ready. They're yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to do this, but it's just hard. It's harder maybe than they thought they were going to be. It was going to be or more commitment than they thought it was going to be. But kind of moving, putting those people aside a little bit, I think going down to more common denominator type tennis player, a massive red flag for me back in the old days was when somebody immediately was looking for a compromise and path, meaning like here's where they are right now. They're telling me they want to get to here, but when I give them what I believe is the best solution or the best path to get to there, they're like, what about if we do it this way instead? Like the serve grip change is like probably classic example in my experience where somebody is like, I want more spin. I want more power. I want more free points with my serve. They're hitting with a forehand grip on their serve. I'm like, Okay, well, it's pretty like straightforward. With this grip, you're not going to have all the things that you want. And they try the new grip, and in the first three or four repetitions, they're like, wow, that's super awkward. How about if I like just kind of go halfway? Uh, or what can you tell me where I don't have to change my <laughs> grip at all, and, I, and I'll get a little bit better? Like At least I'm moving in the right direction, right? And what I'm realizing more and more recently, I was talking to the guy helping me write my book about this recently, Depending on your goals, like if your if your goals are like a transformational change in your game and to move from like three o to four o, then not only is that incremental shift keeping your grip and doing like a surface level like little tweak, 
not only is that um, not ever going to get you to 4.0, but it's moving you further away from 4.0 because it's just further ingraining the habits that you've had that have helped you be maybe a little successful at 3.0. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people are looking for, oh, if I just bolt on like enough crap on top of my bad fundamentals, then oh, sooner or later I'll be able to like piece together a tower that'll get me up to that, that 4.0 level. But the reality is as long as you have a semi-Western grip on a serve, which I saw a lot of, at the country club level, you can bolt on top of that all you want. And pff. there's only the, so much makeup you can put on that pig. Uh, yeah. There, 100%. But it, the problem is, is that I think a lot of co- like a lot of people want to see improvement in the hour that they're out totally. there. Yeah, yeah. And totally. so you can't, when you change something significant, you have to have a good relationship with that student so that the student really understands like you're looking at the overall picture rather than at the end of this hour, your yeah, serve's going to be better. Like, yeah, right. you're hitting no. better serves. And so what happens is a lot of coaches just give you that like, okay, I'm going to try yeah. to make your whatever serve a little bit bigger or a little bit stronger or a little bit more accurate in this 60 minutes that we have. And then there's no real improvement over yeah. the students I think feel like that's what they're paying for is they want to see results by the end of the hour which and is I think a this different is, type this of is student the too. really tough 100%, thing yeah. when we talk about this because it's, it's a stomach problem in the sense that the coach the student wants a quick fix but unless they have the mindset to have a really long view they go in thinking like okay can you fix my serve an hour so the pros like oh shoot we got an hour fixer. I got to like do a, like a, a, a bolt works on. Magic. Yeah, works some magic. And then you get the high five and the student gets in this like, okay, yeah. And then the coach is like, I hate to break it to them. They're like, I just did a, like a, an ad on a bolt, just like, you know, band-aid, duct tape that sucker on there. Because they want the student to come pro, back. You want the student to come exactly. back. You don't the last want to break, thing you want is that student walking yeah. off the court and telling a dozen other people, oh, they told me I had to change my stance and my grip yeah, and my and contact like, point. And, I'm never going back to them because yeah, exactly. Joe Blow up the street told to me, me like, he, he told me in passing, like, he could fix my serve in 15 minutes. Just give him yeah. 10 minutes. <laughs> and so it becomes this, like, arms war of, like, like bolt it on, fix it who as quick as fast yeah. as right. yeah. Who can do it fastest? And totally. it, it sends this, like it sends you down this horrible path of like you go from coach to coach. They have this like, Oh yeah, you slap stick it like this and you do that. And you and you're like, Oh, have five and you've 10 minutes. I got you in five minutes, you know, come back next. And it just, unless you have that, that mindset, it's just like, it sends you down this really bad path of never really getting your goals. But I also think that it, it depends on what level you're at as well. Like the, the improvement and the band-aid fixes that people can make at 2.5 to 3.0 or 3.0 to 3.5, there's a lot of like the one-hour improvements that can yeah. and you see happen. Yeah. Um, whether they're right or not is a whole different discussion. But the, it can happen a lot more and you can see that. And then... You can get better with poor mechanics. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, You're we saw, <laughs> we had many coaches that I've ta- worked with over the years, even with the kids, they didn't work on any technique at all. They just made you people get that rack of make face right of contact. a lot of balls. And yeah. those kids were really successful to a level, yeah. you know, to a point. Um, Figure be- out how to make it work. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> you know, work. I mean, and there's, and I will say this, I think some coaches go too far the other way um, where they like dig into the technique so much 
and it doesn't line up with really the student's personality or what they're really looking for. And then it just isn't a good match either. And so I think there's, it's walking that fine line because there are a lot of people, I would say the majority of most people who take lessons have a really hard time spending one focus topic for a month. It's just, it's really, really difficult without playing. You say, okay, you can't play matches. You can't play. You can't hit with anyone. You got to come in here. You got to work on the serve three or four times a week by yourself. Yeah, exactly. I mean like that is what's wrong with you. Why would I do all that when I can get a Joe blow and he'll fix me in 10 minutes. Right In 10 minutes. Right. Exactly. And so I think that, um, less money. (laughs) Obviously you're not good, (laughs) but I think that there's, it's a, it's, a goal thing obviously I'm you know I'm everybody's known now on the 14th episode that I think I've said setting goals is huge <laughs> everybody take a shot everybody, yeah exactly <laughs> we should definitely play a shot game with that um but I think that it it makes a big difference because um you know there's a lot of you can make a lot of balls and go from two five to three five really fast but without any sort of technique from three five to four five is a no. huge leap. So it still it just depends. depends. I think you can get away like because the other side of it is the person how athletic they are. Because well, you true. get some people are super athletic and they have some super ghetto janky strokes, but they can make it work. I'm fast, yep. and they actually achieve a pretty decently high. Like I've seen four five, sometimes even five zero players. So you're like, how the heck did? And you play them like they just get to everything Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of different ways of doing it but I think at least I think the perspective we're looking at is the balance in the sense of like you have solid technique um, you have a solid understanding of uh, technical fundamental or tactical fundamentals of what to do out there and really the limitations you might run into the future are because you're just you're running up against people that are either bigger stronger and they're things you can't necessarily directly impact or change uh, versus the person who's like really athletic has maybe just a, a, a kind of mental understanding. They've just been, get, I want to say gifted. I don't know the word for it, but they just play a lot. They understand kind of how the court works, but they have really poor technique and they're just janky and they just kind of like play from experience and they get to a certain level. This probably pretty high, but then you run into that. They play that player that knows really has that full understanding and they're like, Ooh, this is going to be a rough day. Because they just they don't have the technical means to like do certain things, and their technique limits them in the the shot selections and opportunities they have. Real quick, one one other thing. There's um, I also think one thing that I used to fall into also is um, when you have the student that just tells you what you want to hear, like they're like. And you can tell that it's kind of going on sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you can't, but when they're like, I want these goals, but they truly don't want those goals, but they think that that's what the coach wants them. And so they want to do what they think the coach wants to do, but then they don't actually do anything outside of that hour lesson. And so none of those goals ever line up with what they're actually trying to do. I find that used to happen sometimes to me as well. Like, and I'd always be like, just tell me the truth. Like, I will help you to get to whatever goal it is you want, whether it's I want to be able to hit 10 balls in a row or whether it's I just want to be able to pick up the ball with my foot on the court. Like, we'll do whatever you want to do, but it needs to be in, like an honest relationship. Any other uh, biggest things that keep students from success? I have another one. 
Um, go ahead then. Maybe. My other one is it's kind of a wrinkle of the same uh, compromise. Uh, not not really though. When I'm working with a student and we're making progress towards something new and different and improved, moving in a better direction, like technique wise, when when they feel like they've got it after the second try and then and then they're like oh oh, yeah 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 just just feed me some balls now feed me some balls and they feel like the first time it feels right they're like oh i've got this that is a huge i don't know if it's like just a personality thing or impatience or maybe a combination of both but i know i'm in for kind of a little bit of a struggle when they're constantly trying to push the speed of their development and they're not ready for it yet yeah i totally agree I with that i feel like one. that would be me as a student just yeah. so we're clear <laughs> give me the ball I'm like, yes. <laughs> feed me another one <laughs> yeah. no 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 no. really just feed me another one I, I, that one was accident <laughs> is that why you were the uh j- just one more like, i a hundred percent yeah for sure a hundred percent just one more i just need one more yeah. and then i'll get it yeah. and then yeah. i've got yeah, it mastered yeah. 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 yeah no i totally agree with that one that's a good one that, that's, I would say, the number one thing that I come up against cur- with current day students. My other one was kind of like the old days, uh, working with your average like, country club type clientele. Um, these days, you know, the people who come work with us are a totally different mindset. But I think that's the biggest thing that trips our current students up is they're just like, okay, like, let's go, let's go. Like, I, and I, I also would, think that the, the idea of like, okay remember you might have to take a step back before you go forward. And although someone says that to you, because I say that to literally every VIP student we have on the phone, I do, for those of you who don't know, (laughs) I do a a conversation, an hour or so conversation before they come out with us about expectations and goals and that kind of stuff. And I always say, like, if you really want to make improvements, sometimes that means taking a step backwards to get forwards. And I had one of our VIPs wrote me an email the other day and said, I truly didn't understand what you meant by that until I got off the court. And now that I'm home, I realize that I have to do the work and it might not mean that I'm only seeing like improvements as we go. Is that our student with the ants? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I feel <laughs> everyone has an answer. Don't answer, want to throw anybody yes. under the bus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's Susie at home's going, I have an answer. Yeah, like, I, what is I that? Talking about yeah. me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it does, you know, and I think it was a, a realization like, okay, yeah. I, oh, I wow. get this that. Is for now. Real. Right. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. one more thing to add on to what Ian was saying is just the understanding because. I think a lot of times, especially when you're working on it in a lesson and you kind of get it, what you don't realize is that your conscious mind, every part of you is focused on that one thing. And just because you're focusing on that, you're making it happen through that focus, through like locking off or forgetting a lot of other things. And so you're like, oh, I got it, I got it, I got it. Yeah. But you don't understand the muscle memory, which takes more time. And so the the kind of conscious understanding, you you understand the stroke, you know what it's supposed to look like, you know what it's supposed to feel when you have time to sit there and think about it. But when kind of like, <laughs> when you're in a match or a ball's coming and all these other things that you just don't account for, you have to account for now, it just blows up. And they're like, whoa, 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 no, 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 I got it. And they just don't understand the feeling of, or the process of how long it takes sometimes in the reps and the, the, the length of repetition 
repetitions that it takes for your muscle memory to react without you having to focus on it. And that's when it's like, if, if you can do it without having to think about doing it, and it's just an everyday breathing occurrence, you've got it. But if you have to put some sort of <laughs> thought process to it. Breathing occurrence, yeah. I like that. Everybody's like, <gasps> um, if you have to put some sort of after the third rep. It's like not like breathing yet. No, no, no. It's not <laughs> yeah. gonna happen. If you have to think about it, you don't. You don't have it. You don't own it. And that's the tough part. I think even with like you're saying, students now who understand the process, and I think that's the lure. It's like I got it. I know the technical uh, fundamentals of how it's supposed to happen. I can shadow swing it. I can drop feed it, and then they get into a situation yeah. where they're they're moving, and they're just like, why is it breaking apart? Like, I had it. Just hold up. Obviously, I, I, give me another ball. Give me another ball. And they don't realize what just happened. Like, the, additional, yeah, the additional things <laughs> you're accounting for that you just, you're not taking into account. All right, next question. Uh, anybody have any final uh, I think that's... pitfalls? or mm. we, I'm sure we could, we could just stay yeah. on that for an hour. Um, Cause it's, yeah, it's complicated. Like you're describing Kevin, there's a whole process to it that we've been working hard to, to develop. And if you just try to like jump over that and be like, Nope, I'm good. <laughs> then uh, it's very difficult to make things stick. And I feel like it, uh, we st- like tweak our process as time goes. Like we make it better and better and better and more efficient and, and student by student. Too. Right, exactly. And so I feel like, and I, and I, and I feel like over the years, I'm sure we all have done that with our coaching abilities. We used to say like in the beginning when you could get a kid to, you know, top 50 in the nation and then like by the fifth or sixth kid, it was like 10 times easier to get them to top 50 in the nation, you know, kind of thing. Um, And it's the same thing with our students. It's like you figure out different ways to say it to where it's, Mm. you know, better for them to understand or easy for them, easier for them to comprehend in a big picture sense and, and those kinds of things. Or so. Moses, which is very rare when, like, we have a student sometimes we're out with the iPad and, like, <clears throat> I'm showing them what they need to do, but I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about something else. And then, like, they start doing the right thing. You're like, whoa. The other thing that you weren't talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, yeah. do And it's the, the funny part is, like, I don't want to mention it because it's happening behind the scenes. And I feel like if I mention it and bring attention – since they didn't know what they were doing before, it's just going to like crumble because they're like now thinking about something that they were doing that they weren't thinking about. So it's, it's that's probably one out of 10. Yeah, no, I'm saying that's super rare where we got a, we call it the Raj Moses effect. Yeah. All right. Next question. What is the best mindset or attitude to have while taking a tennis lesson? So mindset for success. And it's kind of the opposite of everything we've talked about <laughs> up until now. But if we could kind of flip the script and, and come at it from a positive direction, what do you guys feel are the most important elements or mi- mindsets to come in with if you're going to get the most out of it? And let's kind of keep in mind a normal lesson, like maybe not right. necessarily like... Like our, an hour lesson. Yeah, yeah. I think... Um, the big thing is understanding, like having an understanding with your coach. Um, and so you're both on the same page is probably one of my biggest things. And I think having faith in what your coach is doing is another huge thing, even though like I tried some really janky things with some <laughs> students over the years to get them like to what, do <laughs> to get them to do certain things. Um, and 
the students that really were like, okay, I'm just releasing, you know, whatever you want to do, I'll make sure I do it kind of thing. Those were the students that really excelled the most. Um, but it doesn't mean that it's end all be all. You can't ask questions. I mean, I was joking before this and said that it, it literally needed to be like, whatever I said went, but it doesn't mean that you sound like a release. <laughs> yeah. What it, it doesn't mean that like you can't ask questions about why stuff happens. You should have a good relationship with your coach, but I do think that there's a faith and a belief factor there that your coach has your best interests at heart and truly wants to see you improve just as much, if not more, than you do. I think there are many students that I taught over the years that I wanted to see them improve 10 times more than they actually wanted to improve. So I think that that's probably a huge factor, as well as the whole honest thing. Just being upfront and honest with, this is how much time I have per week, this is what I'm going to dedicate, How? what can, goals can I get to? I think that coming at it at that angle rather than saying these are my goals and find me the quickest way to get there. There's two different ways to look at it. And I think the, the first one is going to get you the most results. I think, uh, yeah, barring all that, if you have like some goals, I think learning and here's a, the caveat with this, having a good coach, you know, can get you to your uh, long-term goals. I think it's first of all, taking a very long-term view on your tennis game. Um, especially, I mean, adults take a long-term view on your tennis game because I think it does a couple things. It takes pressure off of this short term, like I got to get this by next week. And if it doesn't happen, you're like, ah, should I switch coaches? And I feel like you learn quicker and you have less pressure on and you develop this type of pro student relationship where it's not about fixing this one thing. It's about, Hey, we're going to be working together for the next two years or years or couple years, hopefully. And this is my long-term goals and talking about, okay, how, where should I be in a couple months and blah, blah, blah. And then just start this path of like, okay, I'm going to show up and we're going to keep working on this thing and we're going to keep track of the development of it. But it's this long-term process of gradually um, of getting better. And you're going to have some hiccups where it goes up and down. But if you look at like, you know, over the course of three, four months, you see this gradual increase and then the thing is, when you look back in a year, you're like a totally different player. And you look back in two years, you're like, whoa, I'm totally different. And I think when you have that mindset and you can find a coach that can provide you that and you can take your mind and stop worrying about, hey, I got this match next week. And can you hit me, show me how to hit a spin serve and get, get it out wide for this one person I'm going to play this one time. And you start taking like, hey, so how can I develop lessons. a great serve that kicks and, and I can place and have the coach that has that? You'll turn around in a year or two, you'll be so far ahead of where you would be if you're constantly worried about these short-term goals. Not only that, I think it's so important because when you do the short-term goal thing, you're constantly like, oh, short-term goal, short-term goal, and you're trying to band-aid. And then a year from now, you've made this like super small uh, uh, improvement. And you're like, oh, I'm still like, or you may, like you go from 3.0 to 3.5 and you're like, oh, like what happened? Why am I not improving? It's because you just didn't take a long enough um, view on the whole thing. And I think when you do that, you'll make bigger gains than you would if you have this mindset of like, yo, I got this league coming up next month and I need a forehand this heavy and that I can hit winners. Can you do that in like two weeks? I got like one hour per week. Can we do that? That works? 
Yeah, I just I think when you can get your mind to go a lot longer term, the improvements are just a lot easier with less pressure. Yo. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going back to uh, your description a while back, Kevin, you were talking about kind of the race to the bottom for coaches to try to get the fix as fast as possible. And I think that whole mentality is such poison for tennis players because when they buy into that attitude, they have a an expectation or a perception that it must be a linear path. And it's like, oh, I, I can fi- come take a lesson with me. Like, I'll get you fixed up. No problem. And there's this like underlying attitude or expectation that every time you take a lesson, you level up a little bit. And then you take your next lesson and you level up a little bit. You mm. take your next lesson and you level up a little bit. And the reality is the only way to be a fundamentally better tennis player is to do something different than what you're doing right now. And when you do something different, the results change. And sometimes the results are instantly better, but that doesn't usually happen. Uh, Usually there's a little bit, at least a little bit of a step backwards while you learn how to incorporate that new thing before you can become holistically aware enough of the new thing that you can actually control what the outcome is. And so I, I guess my biggest piece of advice for players is just simply to be to head in with an expectation that you may have to move back, as Megan was saying before, before you move forwards. I, I think it's the number one mental attitude that players have to have. If you're, if you're trying to optimize for continual, constant, like up and to the right improvement, then you're going to be jumping around from coach to coach to coach. Because nobody has nobody has that nobody's selling the magic that. pill. Yeah, magic no, pill. nobody has that ability. Nobody as a player or as a coach, nobody as a player has that capacity to only improve and only make advancement after advancement after advancement. And no coach has the ability um, either because we're working with humans with <laughs> tremendous amount of variables, uh, both as the person and also the game of tennis is unbelievably deep. And so you can't control all of it at once. So that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. I do also think that it's really important to, um, like as a coach, to ask your players. And I, I do this even with our VIP. It's like, okay, there's this quick fix. We can do this Band-Aid fix. Or we can do this that mm-hmm. is going to probably improve you over time. But it's going to take an extensive amount of time. And I used to really try to give my students like the option and you I mean and I'd be like honestly like give me what you want and we had a VIP not too long ago that said I just want the quick fix like I just want to know the band-aid fix right now in this particular stroke and I said okay that sounds great that's what we're gonna do and then you know, later on, they might come back and say, okay, now I really want to figure out the full, you know, thing. But I'm, I really, I have no judgment either way, but I have, I really value a, a student's honesty in the fact that they like, okay, this stroke, I might really be okay with maybe moving back a step so that I can really see an improvement over a year. But at this time, I'm thinking, you know, this stroke, maybe not. And some people do that with like their serve. They might be like, okay, I can take a step back on my forehand or on my backhand so that I can see major improvement over this next year because I kind of have a forehand. Okay. And 
but my serve right now, I don't really want to do that because I'm playing a lot of matches. You know, that's a great example of like, okay, I get that. Like, let's do a Band-Aid fix on the serve right now. And with the realization that it might not lead you towards major improvements over this next year in your serve. Um, and the, But understanding, like, we can still get the ball in play. You know, you can start the point. And so there's a, um, a balancing factor, I think, that the student and the coach have to have. And I think, yeah, that's a really good point. I think the other thing is that everything doesn't have to be perfect. I think we get in also like, oh, I'm going to improve and everything's going to be better. I'm going to have a better serve, better forehand. My slice is going to be awesome. My drop shot's going to be awesome. My backhand heavy topspin is going to be awesome. I'm going to be an awesome I'm player. I'm waiting for that day. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah I know. <laughs> Funny enough, we're still waiting oh, for that day. Man. And it's like kind of what Megan's saying is like picking what's maybe most advantageous for you. Maybe work on that first and let some other things slide and then come back around. I mean... Funny enough, I mean, even to this day, I'm working on stuff on my game and tweaking and constantly looking for different ways I can improve. And when I look back as a player, even when I was in college, I'm like, God, I wish I knew that then or this then or blah, blah, blah. But it's this constant tweaking and constant kind of shifting and adjusting. And, you know, I've had some moments where like, oh, I was trying to work on my backhand with this and it just sucked for like, you know, a couple months. But it's okay because my forehand's big enough and I can run around and hit forehands. And then when I do have some time to kind of really train, I'll start working on this. Um, and so, yeah, the, the perfect answer is like you have this like vacuum of just like, oh, we work and improve. But in real life, you know, life is going to come up. Um, try to make it as consistent as possible where you can go out and consistently work on things, you know, cause the other thing I think is sometimes players are like, Oh yeah, I'll work on this. And then like, they work on it for three lessons and then like, uh, I'll see you in four months. And you're like, okay, you realize in four months when you come back, we're going to be starting all over. And like, why is that? And so try to be as consistent as possible, but realize that everything's not going to get better. And that's probably a good thing because if you're trying to work on everything at once, nothing's going to really have any gains. And so it's like to solidify something, really try to focus on one element at a time. And I think if you can really have, like Megan saying, an honest conversation with your coach and let let them know that this is your expectation, not that you're looking for the Band-Aid fix, you'd be surprised, I think, if you find good coaching and the right coach is going to be like, Really? You 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 want to take a long-term view of your game and improve? So I don't have to worry about like the band-aid fix. I think a lot of coaches welcome that if they're really into There's a lot of coaches out there that wouldn't know what to do with this that. This is true and it's like that's why I mean where you have to find the right coach to who's developed somebody. Just um, because they're not to be like disrespect coaches, but just because they're so in that rut or mindset of like providing that fix in an hour kind of mentality. Yeah, no, it's a but skill. But I also if think they, coaches should not judge either way. Like I, no, 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 totally. I, I agree with that, huge. but I'm just saying in the sense it's of a so student clear. coming to a, a coach, you do have to kind of do some research and find out, Hey, has this coach worked and developed players, adults, and blah, blah, blah. Because you do have coaches that are just in that, like, okay, it's McDonald's time, drive through baby, get you in, get you out, make you feel happy, happy meal, happy meal lessons. And so, you know. <laughs> you made that up on the spot, just so we're clear. I'm happy about that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, but it's like a happy meal lesson. They want you to come in, feel good. You got a toy at the end and a pat on the back and a high five, and you're like, that's and that, sugared up and, yeah, and yeah it's actually and that, a really good that may, be, <laughs> that may be what you want and you you ran around you got some energy out that's what you want but if you're looking for uh the really develop yourself over a long period of time and having those big gains 
over a long period of time. I totally agree with Ian that you're going to have some ups and some downs. But again, I, at least I think when you look at the big picture, there's going to be this gradual curve. It's like the stock market in a sense. It's like ups and downs. You're going to have some dips. But over a long period of time, it's consistently we went up. We all hope it's going up. Yeah. <laughs> every, every day. Every day. Yeah, every day. But I mean, it's, it's going to be like that. And so I think you do have to do some research and you want that coach to have that, that freedom. Because I think so many coaches are in that arms race and they show up and like, okay, I got to make... I've been there. I got to make this lesson exciting. I got to be that person like, hey, how's it going today? What do you want to work on? Oh, you're back in? I totally agree with you on that. Your footwork's off. Okay. I know the exact drill we should do. And you do that drill and you're like, oh yeah, this, it feels better, doesn't it? You're rotating your body. You see the difference? Oh my God. Okay, good. You're doing so much better. Go out next match and just really focus on this. Okay. And yeah. And literally they come back and like, how was your lesson? Like that lesson was awesome. And Sometimes, I'm not going to lie, you have to get people to do that so they feel awesome and then you kind of stretch it out and say, okay, we really want to change this and you build some trust, whatever. But you have to know that the coach has the ability to develop players. I think that's really important and you have to do some research around it. I think we also, like as, as the students and the coaches get kind of stuck in that like, well, last week I was really good at this and this week I'm not. Or two weeks ago I was really yeah. good at this and this week I'm not. I always used to say that you need, and still to this day, if you look over a six months, six months is kind of the key, I think, mm. to look back over six months period of time and you're not improving, then you need to change something. Whether yeah. it's change coaches, change whatever. I used to always tell my students, if we haven't improved in a six month period, I need to get you a new coach because I'm not doing my job. Because... That, I mean, that is a substantial amount of time to do some work. And if you're taking the steps that your coach is telling you and you're not improving, then you need to have like a heart to heart with that coach. Like, okay, what, what do we need to do? What are the steps that we need to do so that I don't go another six months without making any improvements in any part of my game? Um, yeah, I totally agree. Because I sense. think we, and even I would still to, I mean, there were many times where Kevin was like, Megan, that person has actually improved a lot in the last three to six months. And I would struggle to see it because I was like, well, we lost the tournament last week and we lost trenches. this one this week and hitting the forehand against the curtain every day. And, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you get into that like mode and then you, you kind of too close to it. To no. Right. No. Exactly. And then I would have to literally step back and be like, okay, where were we three or six months ago? And has there been enough improvement that I can say like, we're on the right path. And it might not mean that you need a new coach. It might mean that you just need a new direct path. Maybe you thought you could commit four days a week and you're actually only committing one day a week. Then your goals need to kind of be realigned. And, and that's why I think it's really important to kind of sit down off the court with your coach Every six months, that's only twice a year. And if they weren't willing to do that with you, I'm sorry, you need to find a new coach. Um, but it, they'll sit down with you for 20 minutes and just go over, okay, these are my goals for the next six months. This is where I really want to be. And let's see if we can do that. And I then think, that's it. And I, you tweak shots. and go. I think one, yeah, yeah, sorry. Goals. Goals. I think one other thing adding to that <laughs> is 
when you talk about your goals with a coach and the coach understands the, the process of development, they should be able to describe what you're going to go through. Like I remember I had one kid and I was like, I, he was like, okay, we're going to make this change and your forehand is going to suck. You're going to be hitting like every, and literally I told her, I talked horrific. to the mom I'm not gonna and lie. literally she was, she was sitting up at the window and forehands were hitting the window. And this is like a story <laughs> up and she just looks at me and I just wave and she's like, Okay, I'm going to look back down on my computer. But that's the thing. I talked about the process of like, this is going to go everywhere. And then we got through that hump and it got better and he got better. And, but, and then we developed a, a level of trust because we're like, he said this was going to happen. And it did. And then it started to turn around and it did. And so I think when you find the right coach, they can describe what you're going to generally be going through when you make those changes. Like if it's a grip, they're going to be like, dude, you're not going to be able to do this. And I want to let you know this compared to like, if you have a conversation, hey, and they're like, let's change your grip. And they're like, you'll be fine next week. No, you're not. You're not going to be fine next week if you have a grip change. You're going to come back and go like, what the heck happened? And that coach should be able to help you and describe that. They're like, you're going to suck. Uh, at serving maybe with your first serve and maybe you need to do a bolt on for your second serve just if you want to continue playing all right so let's switch gears for our final topic here and we're pretty much already just right on top of it and that is what practical preparation or follow follow up will maximize lessons the most so in other words not like mindset or attitude but actual action like doing doing stuff um, and I'll go ahead and just kick it doing off. Doing stuff. Doing, doing stuff. <laughs> that's the answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's kind of my that's kind of my answer. Uh, but uh, specifically, along the lines of what Kevin and I, both Megan and the la- their last uh, go around, we're talking about doing work away from the lesson court, and this is so unbelievably rare for a club. I feel like a player for an amateur athlete. Uh, again, we're super fortunate. We're blessed to to have the student, the clients that we have, who have the motivation. They already have the stuff in place in terms of ball machine or practice partner or coach back at home that can help them train. They'll go out and do drop and hit drills and they'll do shadow swings, and that's not easy to find in a club environment. Uh, somebody who's willing to do that, but. Here's your choices. And Kevin really briefly touched on this earlier. If you're only doing an hour of training a week, and in particular, if you're offsetting that with two or three hours of match play per week, you're not going to see positive traction. Generally speaking, you guys agree with that scenario? Yeah. No. One hour of training to three hours of match play? <laughs> yeah. Like, you're not going to make changes because when you go into that Unless match... Unless your topic that you're focusing on is strategy-based. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking that about That would be the difference, yeah. yeah. Sorry, just blew it up for you, my bad. No, no. I think that's a good... Yeah, I totally but agree But even with, with strategy, it's not the same as technique. Yeah. But even with strategy, I think if you're not dedicating any time outside of, like, a real match where you want to control the outcome, then it's difficult to break away from your ingrained habits. Right. And the ingrained habits are pattern uh, based as well. It's not They're just a beep. <laughs> it's not just uh, movement patterns. So I guess I would I would just simply lead with that. And sorry if that takes like a huge chunk of it. But if you're not dedicating time away from your lesson time with your coach, then making progress or at least the progress that you're capable of is, is very, very dif- difficult. 
Yeah, I think it's I think it goes both ways too. Not only the student outside of the lesson needs to be doing things, but also the coach outside of the lesson needs to be doing things in the sense of like needs to have a plan and needs to kind of like have a should I goal shots. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, I think that's really key for um understanding really how to see the improvements is is realizing that it's a teamwork yeah. and that it's a not one-sided thing it's not just the student's responsibility it's not just the coach's responsibility it's both and when you have that atmosphere that's when you see the most improvements like it's there the are 18. many players that we meshed and uh, it's just it's a great feeling and then there are players where you just don't mesh well with and you try to help them find a coach where they do mesh well with because that's when they're going to see the most improvements is finding someone where you can just be open and honest with kick them to the curb megan no but I'm you playing. try to help them find someone that they can mesh well with yeah definitely i agree <laughs> I think um, I've been, uh, and I'm, I'm assuming Megan would say the same thing, I've been super, super fortunate that during my teaching career, I've had an opportunity to have amazing relationships with students, whether they be kids and adults, and they gave me the leeway that, uh, to do a lot of things. And I think... <laughs> crazy things. <laughs> hey, it worked. Um, and I think... One part of that was um, is making sure I had some really clear communication and like Megan talking about really be okay with having some practical conversations with the coach about like okay I want to do this and what do you think how long is, do you think it's going to take me to get to this point and the coach should be able to break down those points and you should be able to like come back like Megan's talking about having these meetings and go okay well we're about here we hit a a a, a, a uh, difficulty here and this is why we're here and what are we going to do now and so having that plan as a coach is important but also keeping track of it as a student is important and making sure that you're keeping not only yourself accountable but the coach accountable and I think that's hugely important and it'll help with um, the progression of you getting better because you're putting thought off the court into what's going on it's not like you I think like what Megan's saying is like, you're not just like showing up to lesson. Like, okay. So, um, last week I left, we left the lesson and what are we doing? yeah, it's like <laughs> we worked on my serve and I haven't done anything with my serve. What did we work on last week? Yeah. Hey, do you, you snap yeah. my wrist or wrist? wrist yeah, snap? yeah. It was snapping my wrist like this. Right. And their coach is looking like, Oh God, we got to do this all over again compared to, yeah, last week we worked on the wrist, blah, 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 or the, the motion. I went out and I hit uh, like, you know, 15 minutes for the last two times I, I played or practiced what not. This is what I ran into. I think that's so amazing when I hear a, a player go out and say, we worked on the serve. I went out and practiced it. I had trouble with this, but this is where I also, and you're like, no. Oh my God, you are a miracle. It's just, I get super excited. I get jazzed just hearing that. And then the coach gets to respond with like, okay, that's awesome. Let's take it from here. This is what I had planned, but this is a good kind of uh, a place where you are right now. Tell me where you had trouble. And then that back and forth, I think it's just amazing when you can have that with a student. It's, it's, it's magical. Yes. But I also think that it's 
from from the other side, I also think there's plenty of times where you can still be a good student and have an off week where you just didn't have time to practice oh, yeah. what it is. And I think that some people are scared as the student to go to their coach and be like, I didn't practice this week. It's like the piano teacher right. Dude, like, that I thinking. had that like hits your <laughs> hands. And that's why I Both quit of piano. You guys grew, yeah. Yeah. Both of you guys grew up taking <laughs> piano. That's yeah. the whole he thing. He liked it though and I hated it. Yeah, but and that's no, what I mean, you didn't yeah, like it? Oh, okay. I liked it when I, once I turned like 17. Oh, I hated it the whole time. And then it was too late. I had the teacher that like hit my hands and the whole nine yards like she was old. And I didn't I didn't get abused physically, but. Uh, I 100%. Mentally See, no, and now, physically. Now we're going off into like <laughs> childhood <laughs> abuses. Yeah. And both of you guys are like, uh, I was uh, made to feel like I was a bad person. Uh, you yeah. are a bad person. No, because I didn't do my scales. Not, yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's why. But I think that it's really important just as a note to like say, <laughs> like, I, I had a, a student who I gave lessons to t- once to twice a week, once to three times a week for years, years. And um, she, there were times where she would just come in and be like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't do anything this week. And I'm like, all right, no worries. Like, we'll go with just what we did last week. Let's revisit what we did last week. And then we'll keep continuing on. And sometimes we would have the exact same lesson, yeah. you know, and yeah. that's okay. But I think that the, the hard, the mismatch it's comes okay as long as the student's not BSing yeah. you. Right. And that's what I mean. Like you have that mismatch of the student comes in as like, oh, I practice so much. Yeah. And then you you're look like, at no, like, no, nah. because the coach can always tell. And you know, like and when because you go to the of, yeah, yeah. I floss and you floss like, <laughs> Ten million times, like right before you go. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. The week leading up to the dentist appointment is like I brush my teeth nine million times. Yeah. I floss, and they're uh-huh. like, "Have you been flossing?" I'm like, "Yes." Yeah, I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a perfect uh, example. Yeah, yeah. I had but, a dentist yeah. like the same thing, and he was like, "I told him that." He's like, "Don't lie to me." Yeah. <laughs> and I was like. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. But I think that, you know, it's that relationship. And because like she felt comfortable saying that she saw great improvement over the years that we worked together. But if there was ever like a, you know, I think that's just a weird relationship as because as an adult, me paying for a lesson and this coach is going to make me feel bad. And I'm paying, dude. I'm going to find me a new coach. But here's the thing. I think totally, <laughs> I, I think I totally agree with that. But, but I think there's that's, a lot of people that don't do that. Yes, true. Why. I'm, I think though that's a part of the relationship. Like, yeah, I had plenty of times where he was like, oh, I got too busy. Like, yeah, that's no problem. But I think over, if you're looking for best practices to, and obviously life comes up, you have vacations, your kid gets sick or blah, blah, blah. And things happen. But overall, if you're constantly, even if you like said, yeah, I didn't have time to practice, but I did think about what you said. And this is where I had questions and blah, blah, blah. There's this level of engagement, whether it be physically or mentally or like, Hey, yeah, I didn't have time, but I've been totally ready for it. I'm so sorry. Or I'm not sorry or blah, blah, blah. And I'm ready to go. I'm ready to like work on this thing. There's this level of engagement when you come to a lesson and your student has that and they're with you about like, Hey, I'm ready to go today. And they know what you're going to work on. I think that's really important regardless of the, you physically being out there because it means you're, they're invested. And I think as a coach, it should be the same thing. If I'm showing up to a lesson and the co- I'm like, yeah. Hey, you ready They go? And they're like, so what do you want to work on today? I'm like, hold up. We talked about our goals. Remember? And they're like, uh, can you remind me what, what do you want to work on today? And it's like, okay, look, you're not engaged. And so I think that's important. I mean, just like, just like you're saying you're the piano, you're the student and you, you're getting your hands hit. I think you should be able to, in some sense, hit the, the coach's hands like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, yo, what we talked about goals. And so there, 
I don't think it should be something where it's like punishment, but there should should be some <laughs> some level laps. of yeah yeah. Coach, hey, I no mean, goal, laps. I would. It love, should go both ways. It should go both ways, but there's an accountability and a, a relationship of like, oh, dude, I'm sorry, yeah, or something. It's a partnership. It's a partnership, and I think those are the best lessons. Where, like I was saying, for me, having that being being so fortunate, to have a lot of great partnerships about having those conversations where I've had lessons and you've saw it where kids are like, hey, or adults are like, hey, I just want to do this. Or I just, I don't really want to get like work super technical. I want to have a good time, but I do want to get a little bit better. And I would, and it would mean so much more to me to have and know what the level of expectation is for that kid. And I was like, or that adult. And that was like awesome compared to like, you told me you want to do this, but I'm trying to help you with this and you're completely resisting. Yeah, so. I think those are the practical action get her done steps that I would get say. Done. Get her done. Smack those hands. All right. Well, I think that's a good spot to sign off for today. We're going to leave uh, the group dynamic. I, that's a whole not, I feel like that's a whole other conversation. It's uh, a good topic, though. I feel like we should definitely yeah. do that. Yeah. Uh, I'll add that to I the list. Because I feel like we get that question a Debbie lot. or what would be the, the Smackball Johnny? <laughs> sorry john john and technician sue that wants like the technical breakdown for yeah. everything you get the guy in there who just wants to absolutely crush yeah. every ball yeah. and they're like this is so much fun and you're like no it's not yeah making notes about that yeah we'll do the group one uh at a, a later date thanks for everybody uh well first of all any final thoughts on the uh the whole maximizing tennis lessons topic i feel like we did a pretty good job no. of no. going over all the the core elements i think it's just really about communication back and forth and having developing a relationship with your coach about your game i think that's hugely important to where you can talk to your coach about if you're struggling if you're not if you feel like you're not improving quick enough and you can have that honest conversation and he can say and feel that like i can he can tell you what he's thinking without you going like really i'm out and you can just say hey i don't think you're working enough or you need to do more serves here you're like oh well i appreciate that i think having that dialogue really allows you to not be in the dark about your own beliefs about either you're doing the right or working hard enough or not working hard enough or maybe it's something not even about you maybe you need to redirect you both need to redirect about your goals I feel like the average tennis player doesn't feel empowered to really take control of that. Yeah, I that think that's a great word. Conversation because I think there's an assumption that I'm I'm paying my money at the front desk. This is like Antonio, like Division One All American. You're late. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going go there. Uh, and like ATP, blah blah blah. And I think there's kind of an assumption by a lot of players that they're there to just like be quiet and follow instructions and like, and that's it. And there's not like this meet halfway kind of relationship. And I, I would love it if more players had that, ah. had that attitude. Ah, Megan, Antonio, Antonio, Banderas. Banderas. <laughs> would you like a tennis lesson? Yeah. I would like to give you one. All right. Vamos. So thanks for listening. Remember the shank cast, is on YouTube, it's on Spotify, it's on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We'll catch you in episode 15. Adios.